0: Challenge lovers, welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge Past, Present, or Future, if it's happening in The Challenge Universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated Challenge Historian, Jacob Halliball. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me today on this Friday, a momentous day for the podcast and for you, the listener, because we've got an incredible, one-of-a-kind special guest with us today, none other than the MVP of Challenge Australia himself. Connor Curran is here to chat all things Challenge Australia, all things Connor, all things his life before the show, MasterChef Australia, the Challenge Australia, and everything since. It was an incredible honor and pleasure to get to sit down and chat with Connor. He just he lays it all out there, everything about the show. All the possible little questions from the big down to the small nitty-gritty that you know this historian was ready to ask about a season I loved. Which, quick sidebar, obviously, this is going to be heavy spoilers for Challenge Australia. So if you just click play on this episode just thinking it's the next whole episode of Challenge Historian, well, thank you for being here. I appreciate your dedication. But I should say one more time, as I have said countless times over the last month or so of podcasts, if you have not watched the Challenge Australia yet, You really, really should. It's within, I forget the exact day, but it's on uh, now that we're in February, which, wow, we're already into February. Things go really fast, don't they? Anyways, it's gonna be on Paramount Plus sometime during this month, I think in the next week or two, but also those links are readily available out there on the internet if you wanna watch immediately right now. If you've already watched, Amazing. Great. You're in the right spot today. Cause I'm sure you had questions about it. I'm sure you liked it. Cause it did seem consensus over here in the States was that it was a high quality season. I definitely loved it. I thought it was a great season and I thought Connor was one of the two. Let's respect the icon that is Kiki, but was the clear MVP of the season. So to get the chance to sit down, chat with him about the whole experience, how he came into the house, how he left the house, the things that occurred in the house, how it was that he took over the majority alliance in the house, ran that shit like a seasoned veteran, dominated the game the way that he and those he was working with did, just it was incredible stuff, and it was an incredible interview, an absolute honor and pleasure to get to speak with them. So without further ado, let's go ahead and just dive right on in. It's a good one. Sit back. Grab your favorite drink. If you don't have your favorite drink in your hand, maybe pause, go follow Connor on Instagram, get some inspiration for a nice, amazing summertime vibe. Summertime still coming out of summer over there in Australia. Nice little drink. The recipes, if you just go to his Instagram, you're going to be drooling and you're going to hear more about it in the conversation and this will make more sense. But anyways, without further ado, here it is. Myself, Connor from Challenge Australia, chopping it up about that season. (laughs) All right, challenge lovers. We've got a real treat today on the show. I have the absolute honor and privilege of being joined by the person who I recently named the MVP of the entire Challenge Australia season. The one and only Connor Curran is here. Connor, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's really wonderful to have you here.
1: Thank you, Jacob. It's uh it's lovely to get the MVP award because I didn't I didn't win the whole thing, unfortunately. So I'll take the MVP. It's pretty up there.
0: <laughs> well. Maybe one day I will actually make a real trophy for it and uh, send it your way. I know it's not quite two hundred thousand or whatever you were playing for, but uh, maybe it's it's a nice consolation. Yes, it's definitely a deserved prize. Uh, we will get into everything about your season of the Challenge Australia here in a moment, but. For myself and for most of my listeners over here in the US, part of the intrigue of getting to watch you and the entire cast of the Challenge Australia was that for once watching a challenge season, we had no idea who any of you were. Fans in Australia probably knew most of you, whichever ones came from shows they love. But here in the States, this is the only time we ever get to watch a challenge season and be like, I don't know who any of these people are. They're all brand new to the game, which was really, really cool. But also leads me to asking, before I dive into all my questions about your challenge experience, can you give me the quick synopsis of who Connor is, where you're from, how you ended up in reality TV world competing on MasterChef Australia in the first place?
1: Yeah, definitely. I've got a really weird story. So I um, was a restaurant manager for about 10 years, and obviously uh, obviously COVID happened. So I Mm -hmm. lost my kind of career overnight um and when that happened I was like oh shit like what am I going to do um I have a degree in bachelor of management uh, culinary management I don't know how to do anything else um and so me and my mate were drunk one night and she applied for the bachelor and I applied for master chef and we woke up the next day and I somehow had this email come through that I got through the first rounds of the master chef casting I was like what have I done and I just kept getting through and to be clear I never cooked before so I pretty much from that point on had maybe five to six months before actually getting into the top 24 in MasterChef, where Mm. I just had to hustle and learn how to cook. But working in restaurants, I knew an idea about food and how it worked and how to put a plate together. And then I became a fan favorite on my season of MasterChef. I got six top dishes in a very short amount of time and I had a very quick elimination. And then I thought, okay, sweet, that was fun. I'll go back to my life. Um, but then I kind of fell in love with content creation because COVID was still happening. So I was cooking on Instagram and then that took off. And so then I just became a recipe developer, content creator. And so COVID was an obviously horrible time for a lot of people, but it was, a you know, for me, a silver lining that it kind of changed my life.
0: Yeah. What, uh, what type of restaurants were you managing pre COVID?
1: So, Southeast Asian, modern Australian restaurants. Um, yeah. but then I am Greek, so I went onto TV and I did a lot of Greek food and modern Greek food, which was what I was known for. Um and that was quite cool because I kind of fell in love with my heritage. Being queer and being Greek was quite a weird thing. and it kind of brought me back to my heritage, which I had pushed away for such a long time.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And I can't believe. That's a, I mean, yes, being around food and in that way, like in the kitchen environment and everything is one thing, but no matter how much experience of that you have to then go into like, I'm not only going to learn to cook and be the chef position quickly, but to do it then on television and with that kind of pressure, that seems... (laughs) wild as someone who has managed a kitchen or two in my day uh, and a former life of mine, I couldn't have imagined ever like swapping roles with the chef. So was that something that (laughs) whether COVID would have happened or not was, were you ever always interested in possibly going into like, I want to be like making the dishes or was that never on your radar until you were like, I need something to do. I'm (laughs) drunk. You want to go on a reality show? Sure. I would go on a reality show
1: yeah well i honestly was like never wanted to cook food i honestly didn't want to be in a kitchen and i still don't want to be in the kitchen it was you know i've been around chefs i know the lifestyle it's not something that i'm aiming to do but i love cooking and i love food and i think um there's a great content creation realm like you also exist in it that we all now kind of exist in that i get to cook but i could get to cook something different every day on instagram so the creative side of it i love but also going on something like MasterChef, where you got 75 minutes a lot of pressure tests in a weird way it did set me up quite well for the challenge because i was on the spot pressure you have to get it right and that's something that you don't learn doing something like the bachelor or any of these other shows you know so it in a weird way helped despite it not being physical whatsoever
0: yeah and that's actually a um- I'll come back to that a little later on because I wanted to ask specifically about that. But uh, for anyone listening, uh, I will, Connor will give out all the places to follow him at the end. But yes, go follow him on Instagram because especially for us in the States, you're going through summertime over there right now. And we're <laughs> going through winter. I live in the Northern States, very cold right now. Some of the summer specific types of drinks you've been putting out, especially recently, I've really had my eye on like, I think I should try that. That looks really nice this time of year and is kind of <laughs> vicariously like, oh yeah, summery, summery vibes over that know. way.
1: It is annoying. Yeah. A big part of my following is actually the UK and America. And I'm like, this is so annoying for all of you because <laughs> like, you don't have any of this seasonally, and it makes no sense. But most of my following is still Australian. So they're still expecting uh, summer recipes. So I apologize, but oh. also Happy that you're getting happiness, I guess, out of it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. It's it's on us to look at it the correct way. And I've personally view it through the, this is fun, live vicariously for a moment, not the, ah, like, I wish I was there right now. So, you know, just gotta, just gotta be positive with it. So let's ease into the challenge then. When were you first approached about doing the challenge? Did you have any idea what the challenge was when that happened? And ultimately what made you say yes to going on the show?
1: Um, so, one of the producers, Sky, who is an incredible person, she, I was, I assume, one of the first batch that was asked, um, because I was asked very early on, I'm going to say, we filmed in August, and they came to me around January, and okay. I think a big thing for Sky was uh, having representation on the show, and I'm very outspokenly queer. Um, I also don't look like a challenge competitor, I guess, um, of sorts. I'm a bit chubby, I eat um but I'm very passionate and I think that she very much saw something in me that I definitely didn't see myself um and so when she asked me on the show I googled it and I still didn't get it and we went through the process I was like I'll go through the process I went to London in June for a massive drink I with mates because I used to live there and we just drank and had a massive party and it come through that I had been accepted and I was definitely on the show and I went to my agent and I was like, absolutely not. This isn't something that I do. I don't do physical things. Um, I, I don't know how well I'll do. I thought I would do well socialness, but I, anyway, all this happened. I spoke to the producer. She sat me down uh, over the phone. And she was like, I know your concerns, but she's like, it's a lot more than physical. And she's like, there is something about you. And I think, you're, I think you're selling yourself short. She's like, really, please, please, please come on. I think you're going to surprise yourself. And I said, do you know what? If I said no to MasterChef, I wouldn't be here. So I was like, let's just go and do it. But in July, I had to do a lot of work for the time I was going to be away. So I went on to the show not watching a minute of it. So I had oh. truly zero idea what I was getting into, which I, I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. I It may have been a good thing, possibly. Mm-hmm.
0: And speaking of, like, it's awesome, the, you know, wanting to represent like that and I had read that you had said no a few times and that that was maybe one of the impetus for like why you'd wanted to go on. I wonder though, did you know, or did they tell you at any point that Briny was going to be the host? And did that possibly, if you knew that, did that influence your decision either
1: way? No, I didn't know Briny. Briny started following me sneakily around June on Instagram, but I didn't make the connection. So they must've known, but I didn't know. Um, but no, I honestly thought I was going to go on as maybe the only queer representative. Um, and that was very important. Like, like I've said multiple times, the whole mm-hmm. reason I did the show essentially was to prove that queer people could be strong in different formats. When I was growing up and still today, I don't really watch a lot of queer athletes on TV. And if they is, they're not outspoken or out. And mm-hmm. so for me, I was like, I want to be that kind of like, that guy who's running and putting himself into it and being outspokenly queer at the same time so hopefully that people when kids my age when i was that age can now see that in some format i know it's not like a sporting code but i think you guys call it the fifth sport in america but like it is quite heavily sporty and physical and i was like if i can do that as a queer person and at least give 100 percent, then i'm i'm doing everything i set out to do
0: yeah that's amazing and yes it is Sometimes we're, I mean, in the States, we all like think of it as a sport at this point, certainly the people that compete in it, most of them uh, call it a sport and everything. Um, that is also though, for a lot of fans is both a good thing. And like, we want it to have, like, get the respect it deserves for what you all go through on the show and that it is like a version of a very intense athletic endeavor, but also it's somewhat ruined parts of the show that a lot of fans love over the 37 seasons of, you know, of the U S version, it's become more and more like it's just about the sport of it. It's just about like the physical part. And it's slowly kind of taken out some of the kind of fun reality show parts of it a little bit here and there, which some of, some of that, that was problematic needed to go other parts that was fun and entertaining uh so there's a bunch a big subset of the fans that are like we don't want it to be called a sport stop making it a sport it shouldn't be Sweet. a sport um so Not a sport. it's, it's I a apologize. big apologize no oh, no no the producers would all be like yes it is a sport um and lots of people would but a lot of fans would be like i wish it wasn't as much so you didn't watch a minute of it that's amazing um I imagine then, like, what sort of expectations did you have going in, if any, then at all? Or were you completely blank slate? What did you think you were getting yourself into? And then did those expectations meet reality? Did those align? Or was it way different than what you thought it might be?
1: Yeah, it was so different to what I thought it was going to be. I really thought and the thing people have to remember as well, as a queer person, you keep your bubble around yourself in the outside world. So I only keep around people that keep me safe or that, you know, I feel comfortable with. So going into a, a house where you can't escape was, I didn't really give it a, as much credit to how much that part of, of the show was important because that's your 24-7. The challenges only go for... All. Up to an hour maybe sometimes so I thought I was like okay sweet the challenges working out blah blah it's actually a lot of just interaction especially when you have 22 people and you don't have your phone either so you notice things you see things and I got thrown in and it was like going back to high school for me which was a very traumatic time so I don't think that I really thought I was stronger than what I don't know how to explain it. I thought I was going to walk in and it would be fine. All good. Social game. Everyone gets along with me. No issues. That was not the case. And that was quite shocking that people might dislike me because I've kept 10 years of just friends around me for such a long time. So that was very, that was very weird.
0: Yeah. It's definitely, I mean, the name, the challenge is so perfect because it is, there's so many different ones and that is what a lot of people that come into the show as well as fans sometime will get fixated on like oh big strong like muscly athlete person they're going to be great and because we're thinking of like oh that one challenge that they always do the wrestling one and like they would be great at that but who's going to be good at being stuck in a house without any communication but just 24 hours of living with these other people who's going to be good at all this stuff there's so many elements of the challenge of being on the challenge i do want to get to specific relationships in the house and your gameplay, all of that in a minute. But before that, given your background in the world of food and the fact that the food being offered, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the food being offered on the international versions of the show, the ones filming simultaneous to Australia has become a real topic of conversation here in the States because of some cast members commentary on it. Um, I've got to ask you about food first. So first and foremost, just kind of plainly, What was the food that was being made available to you? And as someone who has dedicated a large part of your life to the world of food, were you just going absolutely crazy, not being in control of like your groceries, your meals, not being able to make delicious meals all the time? How did you handle the food that was being given to you?
1: the food was amazing if anyone says otherwise they're a complete liar we got such good taking care of food wise like the food was honestly like yeah some of the things weren't my thing like but you were offered so many different stuff like the only like breakfast was great like a full like whatever you wanted the the argentinian people who looked after us in the house the food and everything was like the best part about the show i didn't cook really once until halfway through the show I started making fresh pasta every day and that was part of my strategy because if I'm making pasta for seven hours I'm not in any drama and if you watch the show around episode four I start being involved I stop being involved in any drama and that was purely just for making pasta so I started cooking as a strategy halfway through but it before but during that still they would breakfast lunch dinner was amazing um, they only didn't give us enough avocado in the morning. But as we eliminated people that ended up being more avocado for me, and Kieran. So we didn't care. So food was great, honestly.
0: <laughs> well, so the commentary I'd mentioned, it's gonna be interesting if some cast members from the other seasons hear this. So the the big kind of hullabaloo was sometimes on the US version, they sometimes the food is like amazing. Sometimes it's like purposely they don't really get that much, or they'll get like we'll stock the fridge every fourth day and like, that's what you got. So like, you know, another little social element of like, you know, make good on who gets what, you know, portions, whatever, but Uh specifically the, the challenge USA, which was a new version of the show that went simultaneous with Australia and Argentina and the UK. And now, you know, the winners are doing the world championships or whatever that season they were also filming where you did they did many of the same challenges same locations but they were staying in this like warehouse not in the house the beautiful house you were in and that the current season of the flagship us show is in and their house was shit and they (laughs) all the cast members routinely came out and were like look we knew it wasn't going to be like you know some chef walking in every day but like they basically ate this like disgusting salmon every day for lunch and dinner like the same meal every day and they were all horrified by it and then it became this big thing between longtime cast members who were like it's not supposed to be easy you're not supposed to like like it just became this whole dust up between these two different seasons here so i just no. was interested House to know was- if they learned <laughs> and then we're like we got to make sure like the australia the uk the argentini one we got to like actually do a little bit better job because that first one was a little tough yeah
1: I think, they were very, I think production was very nice to us. I think they were well aware that we were, a lot of us didn't know what we were getting into. So when it came yeah. to food, the house, the way they spoke to us, they were, I can't fault production for a second. I think they probably went above and beyond knowing full well that a lot of us didn't know what we were getting into.
0: Yeah. Final food related question then. Yes. If you would have won the show, how much yes. of the money that you would have won at the end, how much of it would you have actually spent on feta? You would be
1: quite shocked. If I a bit. I,
0: <laughs> you I, did seem I, s- slightly serious in the statement. And if no one knows what I'm referring to, one of your many great <laughs> confessional interview moments, you mentioned that if you won the 200,000, you might just spend it all on feta cheese because of current food prices and how great feta is. So I just, I had it's- to ask
1: inflation is a thing guys um i would say a solid i would say two percent if i'm being honest i eat a lot of feta it was a running joke on master chef that a lot of the budget for our food went towards feta for me um so i would say definitely a couple thousand if not three
0: (laughs) okay wonderful wonderful well that was one of many 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 good confessional moments which is another element to just being awesome on the show is uh those those count a lot and go a long way and cast members out their impact on the show so those were great let's now let's get into kind of your relationships in the house your gameplay throughout the season starting right at the start did you know anyone else in the cast prior to the show or were you possibly like aware of some people like a fan of shows they were on or were you going in i don't know who a single one of these people are
1: I can honestly state I had no idea really who anyone was. Um, Not one person. I don't watch reality TV and I don't really watch TV. And that's not having a go at any television. Like, I... I love a lot of people now I've met I just didn't know them I'm not in that circle the master chef guys don't get invited to the same parties we yeah. don't go to the same things we go to maybe to more like restaurant launches and like foodie stuff it's very different to like what the bachelor and the married at first sight people get invited to so I haven't met anyone I knew Conrad and Brooke B because they're part of the same agency I'm part of so I knew mm-hmm. of them from the agency um, but no one and then funny enough I got paired next to Brooke J on the flight to Argentina and I sat next to her and she was a big fan of me from MasterChef because her partner was from another cooking show on TV and they both loved cooking. So she knew who I was. And that essentially started what ended up becoming my biggest alliance through the show was me accidentally getting sat next to on the flight to Argentina to Brook J.
0: Yeah, that's uh historically where all alliances begin in the world of challenge is on the planes over there and in the airports over there when you kind of realize like oh we're all here for the same thing aren't we and so that's <laughs> yeah that's amazing we when we first get into the house like you had kind of alluded to earlier you didn't you know at first you you were said you were thinking high school all over again here why doesn't everyone like me why isn't it just all my friends um you you early on weren't clearly aligned with either of the two kind of obvious alliances that started forming. We do see you though, form a bond with Jessica pretty early on, which then turns into you being targeted for the first time when David in an attempt to save his own ass tries to start rumors that you I think he said you felt too comfortable or something to that degree after Jessica had won a challenge. So tell me, what caused that initial friendship and connection with Jessica? And then how did you feel when your name was thrown out for the first time simply because your new friend was the person who had won that day?
1: So, it actually, it wasn't the first time. Me and Brooke J were pretty much going into the first elimination. We were essentially going to elimination up to the last hour, really. So, I had felt that feeling the first elimination. And then on the second elimination, it was very clear that. I say what I feel uh, and I didn't under—I didn't really have tact when it came to the social game because I would just say what I'm thinking and that would be whispered along the house and be taken out of context and then it would get to someone else and they'd be like did you hear what Connor said and I'm very confident I know who I am and people don't like that people who don't actually like themselves quite yet or have come to terms with who they are they get very offended by someone like me because I know who I am I like who I am I'm loved I have such a great uh, life and that is, I'm very confident what I say, so it rubbed people the wrong way. And so I think what happened was I was too much of myself too early on um, and that just really put a target on my back that was obvious. When it came to Jessica, me and her had a really great connection. Me and Brooke J and Jessica, the three of us really got along and I thought that was gonna be my alliance to the end. But because I had said something along the lines of, you know, Jessica won, hopefully that's something that keeps me safe but you know what who knows like I'm still going to pack my bags the same as anyone else that got manipulated into Connor's cocky he's not going in and that's my fault because maybe I should have had some more tact at the start of the game
0: well I mean unless there was way more that we didn't see we saw everything that you you know just went through and yeah definitely was some pretty innocent commentary that I think David even open was openly in the interviews, like, I don't got much to go on here, but like I gotta do something. So uh here we go. We'll try we'll try this one. And he was at least very dramatic and entertaining in trying to throw you under the bus. So I gave him credit for that. I was like, it's a little sneaky, but I am entertained. He had the nice little fan moment using it when he just kind of threw out Connor's a little too confident, boom, and then walked away and loved (laughs) all of that. Um we'll come back to relationships (laughs) and strategy in a moment, but uh to kind of work a little bit chronological here. The moment I knew I needed to take you seriously as a competitor was in the second episode, second daily challenge. You were partnered with Brooke B. And this is something that you actually referenced earlier that I wanted to come back and ask you about. You're partnered with Brooke, she drops uh, her pegs. You're on in this mission where you have to be on the side of a semi-truck, you're climbing across with pegs, doing this whole thing. Brooke drops her pegs right at the start. She starts to panic, totally normal. It's like, oh my God, did we just lose? You remain super calm. You're in all your instincts just go to like throw constant encouragement at her. Then you're also smart enough to realize that no one said you weren't allowed to give her your pegs. You were supposed to pass one, but you like give her all of yours. Like, I don't need them anymore. You can move again. And, uh, so while you don't end up winning that challenge, you avoid getting last, which for a moment, it seems like certainly that's, what's going to happen. And I felt like in that moment, I was like, wow, that was a lot of composure, quick thinking escaped a really bad situation. And it caught my eye and you showed similar composure poise throughout all the eliminations challenges, the whole thing. And I think I was going to ask, and you referenced it earlier. So I feel like it might be the truth. Is that from maybe translating from time spent in an environment like a high paced restaurant kitchen or a show like master chef, or where did that kind of composure and poise under stress come from?
1: Yeah, there's a really famous saying in like hospitality where we're like swans over the water, but underneath the water, our legs are like kicking like that. Um, and so I feel like I, everything I do in life has really been that. So when she dropped, it's definitely from MasterChef and 10 years in hospitality. I can't, my my Nothing gets to me is probably the best way to say it. And so when she dropped both the pegs, all I could think was the whole time, I'm like, great, I've got a whole thing to get across to figure out how we're going to do this. And that's the part about the challenge I loved. That was all like, I don't have the same body as everyone. I'm not as strong as anyone. How can I beat everyone with what I have in my brain and my body? And so that was really exciting for me because I was like, okay, sweet. We can still do this though. There's still a way to do this. And she the whole time was like, Connor, I can't, Connor, I can't. And I was like, I'm not coming last. That's just the one thing I was not doing. We went last that day as well. So... I don't know. It definitely came from hospital and all that, but it was also exciting to see it put in practice. Cause I've never been on the side of a truck doing that. So yeah, who watching it back, <laughs> even I'm just like, how are you so calm?
0: <laughs> yeah, it definitely struck me. That was again, the moment I was like, okay, we got, we got to take him serious here. Like this is, it's one of the hardest parts that people have done dozens of seasons of the challenge, like to speak to, as far as like the whole, like, is it a sport or like how hard is it is they always say we have to do something new every day that we've never done and we only get to do it once that's the hard part we get to walk up they say this is what crazy shit you're doing today you get one try that's it and it's the thought process it's the strategy it's the in the moment being like well that went wrong but like who we still only get the one chance we've got to figure it out that's kind of the real yeah. difficult part
1: It was also the fact of like, I think a lot of the boys struggled because of their male ego. And I think because they looked a certain way, they were like, I need to do well. I have to do well. Whereas I didn't have that. I was like, what am I even doing here? So having that little bit of like, I don't really care how far I get really helped because every challenge was like, let's see what my version of the best is today. Whereas Mm -hmm. a lot of the other boys were going in and like, I need to win. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when you look at the challenge list of the nine challenges, Troy won four and I won three. You know, yeah. and when you look at how we want, a lot of it was just came down to poise and just being like calm in situations, I guess.
0: Yeah, definitely. And just having that, that carefree attitude that allows you to actually perform your best versus putting all that crazy pressure on, like, I have to get first or else. And then you're never going to perform anywhere near whatever your best is. So love that. As things progress in the game slowly, but surely, while you're not in a big alliance at the beginning You slowly but surely become a member of the Batchy Alliance. And seemingly (laughs) by the end of the season, the thing that had me most impressed, wasn't that like you found your way into the Alliance that then like did really well. It's that you found your way to like the leader of that alliance, (laughs) like making all of the moves. So tell me, how does that happen? And was it like, was it as simple as you and Brittany get partnered up in the middle? You guys win, you're given a bunch of power during that, which I'll ask about a couple of those moments in a minute. But is it just Mm. as simple as at that point, you're like, I guess I'm picking this side or how did it come that you're not only in the majority alliance that decimates the The other side and also the unofficial leader of it by the end of it?
1: It's Look, I won't be able to go through it it really happened over a two-week period, right? And so when I got into the house, because of my connection to Jessica, th- the assumption was I was going to be with the Bedroom Boy Alliance. Mm-hmm. I thought I would come over to that side. I'm also, in my head, I thought, someone a great person to take to the end because to my knowledge at that time, I didn't think I'd be good at challenges. I'm like, you kind of want to take me as you go further along. So yeah. in my head, I'm like, I'm going to be with the Bedroom Alliance. I won episode three with Cyril, and we put Grant in, which was against the Bedroom Alliance, which kind of started that first fracture I didn't realize the boys from Bedroom Alliance were talking so much shit behind my back. I thought we were all really good mates. And then on the other hand, I'm in a bedroom with just me, Conrad and Kieran. And so over time, you're in a bedroom with someone or you start becoming close to these boys, just sleeping next to them. And I started going, I've got so much in common with these boys. And then on the other hand, I then get paired with... Um, megan in episode four britney in episode five i go back to megan in episode six i then go kiki episode seven and kiki episode nine so if you look at my journey i am with the bachelor alliance and i'm with a girl who doesn't want to put their own alliance up so it was this really natural progression and i think when i kept megan safe well megan and i kept each other safe in episode four Mm -hmm. they really looked at me very differently and they looked at me like thank you for really trying to keep our alliance safe and it was the first kind of like we can work with this guy because there's three girls with Connor. It's three boys. That's Mm -hmm. the six in the finale. What we thought would be the finale. So it very naturally happened. And then a lot of things, which I'm sure you'll talk about started happening on the other side, which really my game went from the bottom to, I'm going to lead a group of 10 people essentially and take out every single person. And that was, became almost my own vendetta. If that makes sense.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's, Truly remarkable. And it's like, truth, like out of it, strategically is like all time stuff to be like, I kind of was in the middle. If anything, had, you know, your best friend was kind of on this side of things, but then a quick like 180, and I'm on this side. Now I'm like leading and being the one winning for this side, doing all the moves. It's incredible. I'm going to ask about a couple specific moments from it. The other thing I'll reference, you said, you know, you, when you still weren't sure how good you were going to be at things. That was actually one, I forget which episode it was. It was when Troy and Brooke J won the first time. I remembered also being like, Connor's got some real good strategy because they ultimately threw you in, but you went to Troy and said like, hey, a good thing you should keep me because I'm kind of like a shield. I don't know that I'm that good at this. People would vote for me before you. And that's a really smart strategic <laughs> ploy that has been used well in the history of the challenge. Did it look, like, huh. did look,
1: but it didn't It didn't work, but it was,
0: still, it was still A for effort of like well thought out, good move. You're in a desperate situation. You went with the best, you know, you put the best thing out there and he didn't go for it then. But so you get with the Batchy crew. And as we've both said now, you decimate the other alliance in the house. Like it's pretty... Unprecedented for two alliances that start with kind of equal numbers and have some great competitors on both sides for it to go so one sided, but it becomes truly like without remorse, you all take them off like one by one by one by one until they're all gone, Um, which is incredible.
1: The plan that me and Brittany devised worked perfectly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna just about to ask about that. So that. It the plan works perfectly, but I will say it was not a plan that didn't come with a lot of risk because you're given the the double power of okay, we didn't send home the people that you threw in and lost, but we'll let you pick the teams. We'll let you be the algorithm, and you, what I thought was risky, but it ultimately works out. It was the smart, but had risk to it. Was we're we've got four people left. We would like out of this game. Let's put them on teams together. So that hopefully if one of them were to get last, we could put them versus each other, but they were good competitors. So you had the risk of like, well, are either one of them going to get last or could one of them win? And this could all really, really backfire, but you went the route of like, nah, put them together. Let's see if we can get them in a the lamination. You do, it works. They get sent home for real that time, uh, which was great yeah. to see. And kind of the culmination yeah. <laughs> of that was the moment where it was like, wow, all right, not only have they gotten those specific people out, but like the Batchy Alliance has won this whole thing. Like that's who's that's who's going to the end. We could pretty much guarantee you, unless these certain people win the next, every challenge the rest of the way, like you're going into elimination, this group is perfectly safe. So did you, was that always the plan of like, it's gotta be those four together. We can do this. We can pull this off. And how nervous were my favorite challenge you guys did, the nighttime challenge, which was Very the good. One is uh, so which I think is so good, and I'm I was they've used it once on one of the other seasons filming simultaneously, not in this most recent one, and I was very bummed out because I thought it was awesome. Uh, how nervous were you during that, and did you factor in that kind of risk of like this could either is either going to be brilliant or really screw us over?
1: I don't think people realized how much of a risk it also wasn't, and I'll explain why. We sat down and we paired our ten with our perfect person. So Mm -hmm. Marley and Brittany are each other's perfect person. Me and uh, and Megan are each other's perfect person. Everything was each other's perfect person. And Brook J and Troy were always meant to win. That was always the plan. They were, no matter what it was going to be, they would be perfect together, right? And also I put Brook J with Troy because I knew that Brooke J was my best mate and Troy wouldn't deviate from what I wanted because Mm -hmm. Brooke J was there. So the plan was perfect. And then on the other end, what they thought we were going to do was they thought we're going to put Brooke B with Ryan to sabotage Ryan because there was this belief that Brooke B was weak. Mm -hmm. I was like, Brooke B and Conrad have a long history and they're going to work really well together. As it turns out, everything that I saw happening happened. And then during the challenge, our 10 was helping each other So there was two puzzles, we would do the puzzle together, get the tires together. If there's a challenge that we knew we could do, we would send someone over. So the whole two hours, the 10 of us were working in tandem to take that risk element out. We were like, I was running around with Kieran being like, who needs more tokens, getting tokens for the people who need it to bring them above the other person, which wasn't shown. So Mm -hmm. yes, there was high risk, but that risk goes down with every perfect pairing and with mm-hmm. us working together the whole time and getting the tires so that when the other four came out from that big puzzle challenge, there was no tires left for them to get.
0: Yeah. And they, I mean, it was truly, they were either going to save themselves with the hardest puzzle or they were going to lose it. And they completely <laughs> utterly failed miserably at it, which yeah. to their small credit uh that same puzzle has been used now on a couple of those other seasons filming simultaneously and it seems to just be the hardest puzzle in the world i guess like i mean it seems it looks difficult enough but like the
1: hardest yeah no no, it's the hardest puzzle i've ever done in my life it is the hardest puzzle
0: on the current uh ride or dies the current flagship one going in here in the states it was used just as an elimination they had to do something physical but that took like a minute and then it was just do this puzzle and it took I think the team that won, it was like an hour and 15 minutes before they won. And it was, it was like the most yeah. boring elimination ever to watch on TV. Cause it was just these people standing like, uh, well, we're going to lose. Cause we can't do this. I'm like, is, it doesn't, it looks hard, but not, not an hour and a half hard, which is how long those two teams go on it before they're like, I guess we got to move on. It's like, <laughs> You've given 90 Jacob. minutes out of two hours. You might not want to leave at this point. You've lost <laughs> if you leave. If you get it, you've at least got a chance to not get last. So
1: yeah, well, no, bad, but also we did it, we did it the fire challenge for the for the eliminate for the finale. Oh, yeah, and yeah. it took us about it took us about two and some two and a bit hours for the first team to get it.
0: Unbelievable. It's well, very hard. <laughs> yeah. Um shouldn't an armchair expert over here be like, it can't be that hard. Like if it was put in front of me, I would be right there <laughs> with you hours in. So later in the season, then at the near the end of the season, you get to witness two moments that I think as someone who literally calls my show and calls myself a historian of the show, you witnessed two moments that I think are truly historic, like are in the record book, history book moments in the challenge history. So I want to ask you about, you weren't directly a part of either one, but you got to witness them. I want to ask you about yeah, them. Yeah, of course. First one. I know which
1: one, but Yeah.
0: <laughs> First one, the final elimination between Troy and Conrad who just beat each other to a pulp. Um, if you, since you hadn't watched the show before, uh, if you're not weren't made familiar in that moment from those that were super fans of the show, while you called yours pato ball, I believe, uh, that's historically called pole wrestle and is played with a stick versus a little ball. This one's even more brutal version that they had to do, but, It's like the most famous game in the history of the challenge. We've seen it dozens and dozens dozens times. We've seen people completely beat each other to a pulp before, but never like Troy and Conrad. Like I truly think it is is the, the most brutal elimination we've ever seen in the history of the show, 45 plus whatever seasons and versions of it. What was it like watching that from up on the dais? How terrifying was it? And how glad were you to not have to be in there with either of them as that gladiator match was going on.
1: <laughs> I, um, my, like, my, like you said, my first thought actually was how have I managed to miss every physical elimination? Cause that was like my fear going to the show. If so I was like, if I get physical, I just can't compete with these big boys. Right. So my first thought was like, thank God, I'm not doing that. And then second, it was relentless. The two rounds with those boys probably went up close to two hours all up. And, they showed maybe one or two of Conrad's yeah. dumping him. There must've been 50 of Conrad just dropping him, <sighs> dropping him. And me and Kiki at one point had to sit down and just like catch our breath. Cause it was, it, it, like, like I said on TV, it was a car crash. Like he didn't want to look away, but it was also like traumatizing. And also by that point, we were happy with the top eight that we got. So we were friends with all of each other and yeah. you're watching two friends beat the shit out of each other. And, but then on the other hand as well, me and Kieran were like, well, whoever comes back into the, <laughs> the finale isn't gonna be in good shape. Mint shit all as it turns out. But yeah, it was nothing like nothing I've seen before. There's no words, honestly. And it was it was it was nice to see because we had just seen Ryan and Grant almost pussy out and oh, just kind of
0: horrible. Not give yeah,
1: anything cool. and not, and it was like and it was nice to see, as horrible as it was, it was like yes boys get it that's what we want to we want to say we want to see people wanting to be here
0: yeah and that that last thing you said is the very important part that is whether it works or doesn't work each time they do it there's three of that. three games uh I believe you only saw the two of them the balls in which is what ryan and grant played and then this version of pole wrestle which is what troy and Conroy played there's also a hall brawl uh which is the other like famous one where you just put football pads on and run down a hall at each other to get past each other it's brutal
1: um all oh no- oh, oh three of my not but yeah, yeah
0: and they're at least two of them if not all three of them are in every season and they're everyone's nightmare but the other thing is when watching them as fans it's like This only works if the two people involved are both somewhat evenly matched and both signed up for this. Both are like into it and okay with it. And there's been other versions where it's like one of the people did not sign, like one of the people in this, this isn't fair. This is like, this is hard to watch because like there's been times where it's like a literal football player versus, you know, Someone half their size who's never never done something physical mate, in their life. It's a
1: mate. And, that person and, is a mate.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's like they both signed up for the show knowing this was a possibility, but like, yeah, I don't like watching this anymore. And then there's the version of Troy and Conrad where you're like, this is a car crash, this is horrifying, but they both seem to be enjoying it in a sadistic way. And so I can enjoy watching the like craziness of it. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you got you got the best case version of it. The second historic moment then that I've got to ask about is in the final, you're all told as part of one of the stages that you have to ride a stationary bike for basically until your legs fall off. I forget how many hundred, whatever miles, hundred
1: hundred, kilometers,
0: which is wild. And Kiki, the icon that she is, begins to complain that her G string just wasn't wasn't the right thing to be wearing for this and asks production, can I get some scissors? I got to cut this thing off. They give her scissors. She cuts it off. And then goes on to crush the bike part and goes on to win the whole finale and a big part of kiki's legend like the first moment is going to be that moment it's it, i called it iconic right instantly i was like this is, is so memorable this is hilarious and entertaining uh what were your feelings did that give you a boost when you were on your own stationary bike you're like oh look at this <laughs> look at her go or what were you what were you thinking in that moment
1: well you have to remember like all six of us are- really good mates at this point Mm -hmm. so on the bike you got 50ks each some of us had more than 50ks but we're essentially aiming for 50 each yeah we had a lot of time to chat there's time to chat right so we're all having a yard and i feel like there were so many funny moments during that 50k and but when she did that it was like it didn't even feel weird it was just so kinky we're like I don't even think we laughed that hard. We were like, yeah, sure. Like we were just, there were so many moments that didn't get shown through the series that one Kiki was like that. and Everyone was like that. There were so many funny moments. So when she did it, it just felt, I don't even think we blinked an eye to be honest. Like we just (laughs) all kept chatting. But then also she had a G-string on because me and her were dressed in casual clothes to Mm -hmm. go see the elimination. So I had to wear the underwear that I was wearing to the finale. Like we don't, there wasn't like a go home moment. It is as it seems. We went straight to the thing. And so she didn't have time to change her. Yeah. It's iconic. She's iconic. I'm so happy for her. She got the most perfect edit. What you saw on TV is exactly what Kiki's like.
0: Yeah, she just seems like the absolute best. And it was awesome that, you know, at the end of the season, the two of you win an elimination together. You win that final challenge together. So, you know, while I named you the MVP, she was your the one really in contention when I some seasons we don't really have any MVP performances. Other seasons we have like three or four. And I was like Connor and Kiki both MVP performance. I had to give it to one one mm-hmm. person. But yeah, she was yeah. We're she very was amazing. We're very
1: connected. Me and Kiki yeah. were very connected by the end. If you watch the last few episodes, it makes so much sense, you know, to go from losing a challenge together, winning an mm-hmm. elimination, and then something happens in a person when that happens, like in a in a couple. Um, and it's funny, like we when you saw her work with Troy, who's not very spoken out like outspoken to her and yeah. then she gets me and she was just like fuck yes like Connor's gonna tell me <laughs> to go f off and do something so we worked really well because we didn't take anything to heart so it's mm-hmm. funny like and obviously we'll get to it but the folklore really is me and kiki just kind of like dragging each other to the end
0: yeah and that's the exactly the next thing i wanted to ask you about so speaking of the fact kiki does win The final question I have for you here before we get to kind of a rapid fire speed round to close it out here, you get to the final, you do really well. You ultimately come up just short of winning, but in the last leg of the final, you are partnered once again with Kiki who does knows going into it. You don't know what the exact times are, but you know, she has a shot to win. It's dark. You guys have been doing crazy shit for 24 hours and everything. You're super duper tired and you're pushed to the brink. And right before the finish line, you go down. Kiki's like, I got I'm trying to win this. It's right there. She goes ahead. She finishes, but is told her time doesn't stop until you, her partner also get there. And then there's this big moment of like, is Connor going to finish? They run back. They're like looking for you, everything. And we're left on edge as the viewer of like, is Kiki about to win or lose based on if Connor gets up or not. So, what were you feeling? Like, w- try if you can to describe the exhaustion you're feeling in that moment. And in the moment, as you're sitting or laying there on the ground, do you know in your in the moment in your head, like whether I get up right now or not decides whether Kiki or Brooke wins this? Or does that realization ran- maybe not come until later that you're like that? Like, it was truly a, it was in a <laughs> weird way. In the end, it was up to you. It's like, we're waiting on Connor. And depending how quickly he gets here, Kiki wins or... If he takes a while brooke wins
1: okay it's a very layered answer but essentially <laughs> to answer the question a lot of the finale was really onto the male competitor which was which i didn't like i didn't feel like the finale was set up correctly because mm-hmm. there was a challenge where the barrel where the girls really could not move the barrels which isn't their fault i could barely move the barrels and then there was the car one which was like really down to the male competitor as well mm-hmm. and not to take away from the girls, the girls, I still don't know how the, the, if they, I don't know how any of us honestly did the finale. It wasn't shown to be how hard it was. And they took out a whole component from the finale because there wasn't enough TV time. So there was more things that we did that weren't shown. So we get to the car and to be, to be very clear, when we were doing the tires with Kiki, I was the one dragging her. (laughs) Kiki couldn't run. So I was the one being like, Dragging her the whole time, be like, Kiki, come on, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. They didn't show any of this, obviously, because it doesn't make sense in the storyline. And we all—I had an idea with timing, absolutely. We all had an idea, and so we get to the car. And to be very clear, if I wanted Brooke J to win, I wasn't—I wasn't, I wasn't going to move that car. I would have stopped mm. before the car. The yeah. car is the hardest thing I have done in my entire. I couldn't life. believe
0: any of the three of you. Did it because it's not just pushing the car. It also happened to be like a wet field by the end where like you can't get bumpy, a grip yeah. and the car's sinking in. I was, I was blown away when you all came to that station. I was like, there's, there's, they're all going to time out. They're going to have to mercifully be like, okay, there's a 30 minute time limit. We'll just make it up. Cause I didn't think anyone was doing that part.
1: Well, we Troy and Kieran said to me. We don't know how I did it. They didn't know how I did it because they could barely do it. I didn't have any conditioning. I've never worked out my whole life. I don't do anything like this. And when the Ninja Warriors coming to you going, I don't know how I did it. I still don't know how I did it. And it really came down to Kiki just being like, Connor, because I went to push her and I was like, Kiki, I can't. She's like, you will push this damn car. I was like, <laughs> okay, let's do this. If we're going to do this, let's do this. And you have to remember, I was there to prove queer people were strong. So I wasn't thinking about who was going to win. I wanted to finish. That's mm-hmm. all I cared about in that moment. I was like, I want to finish because if I don't finish, everything I've done has been pointless for queer kids everywhere, right? And that's all I was thinking the whole time It's for queer kids, for queer kids. So we get this car over and I was like, I don't know how I've done it, but I've got very strong legs. So a lot of my pushing was actually my legs, not my arms. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the last run and I was like, sweet, I've got energy. Like, I'm going to do this. And so we get to it and I stand on the road and my leg just gives way. Yeah. And I'm like... Shit, fuck. Okay. So I I smacked my (laughs) leg a couple of times and Kiki's like, come. I was like, I am. I was like, I went to stand up and I collapsed again. And Kiki just is still running. She's like, Connor, I need to finish. If I don't go, I'm not gonna finish. I was like, okay, but I need you to come back and like just get this cramp. It's just the worst cramp I've ever felt in my life. I'm diminishing it, It is the worst feeling ever. So a, a medic ran over, pulled my toes back for a minute, and I got up and I was maybe down for like a minute and a bit. And maybe under two minutes. Yeah. Um, and you can tell because by the time Kiki's told everyone, within like a minute, they've all started running back and I've run past them. So T V did this incredible job of making it look like I've just sat down and gone, nah, I'm not doing it. But what <laughs> has happened is I just I just couldn't yeah. I physically just couldn't stand up. It's the most boring explanation. Brook J was nowhere in my head. All uh-huh. I am thinking is, how do I get across that finish line? Because I didn't care who won. Like I, I care, but like we all just wanted to finish yeah. because when you look at everyone running back, Brooke J is part of the people who came to run back to grab me. We didn't care. We just wanted the six of us to finish. That's all we mm-hmm. cared about. But um, obviously it's a better storyline for me. And they've got me in confessionals being like, I just want Brooke J to win. I would love nothing more. You put that all together. It looks like I've just had a tantrum and sat down. It was just a really bad yeah. cramp and I couldn't stand for a minute.
0: Yeah. And that's the... <laughs> the tricky thing they get to do with editing these shows is they can show things in any order. And especially the interviews and whatever they're, they're notorious for cast members after the fact, having to be like that interview clip was from six episodes prior. It was about this situation, <laughs> but I used this person's name. And so they were like, Oh, that could fit in over here. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty incredible in winning or winning is one thing, but One thing that I think the show does a really good job of and maybe pretty much the whole whole history of the show they've done a good job of ever since they kind of started making the final challenge, like this crazy overnight insane endurance test is doing a really good job of making it known. Like, yes, one person or two people win and get money, but making it to a final and finishing a final is a win. Like everyone that finishes Mm -hmm. a final wins because you finish this thing that is designed Mm -hmm. for not all of you to finish. They're not... Every season, they don't expect every person to finish. And for all six of you to actually finish in in pretty solid times was is a testament to all of you. You all, you all won. Yeah. In my book, you just all didn't get a share of the money, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, you are right. Production did come to us after, and the main guy was just nearly in tears, being like, You guys are incredible. And I think there was a belief that maybe I would have like clocked out or someone would have definitely clocked out i was probably the most likely from the boys because it was so physically physically taxing and uh kieran's ex-army and troy is ninja warrior so they've got conditioning whereas mm-hmm. i didn't really have that conditioning i was just going off what i had in my body at that point yeah. so i definitely feel like they were like one shocked and just very happy and but in saying that it's also it's set up to for someone not to finish but also set up for if you push hard enough you can
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to have an awesome story of like, you can finish this. It's just going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. But like, that's what we want to see. That's what's really cool to watch someone do the hardest thing they've ever done. That's really inspiring and really awesome to watch on TV. So uh, we've only got a little time left. So I'm going to go. I got a handful of questions left. Let's do a little kind of rapid fire speed round. I'll throw a question out you gut reaction instant answer uh and if and they can be fast or they can be slow whatever whatever you choose but i've got a bunch left we'll just run through them super fast here starting with i can't believe i waited this long i honestly wanted to ask this the first thing the moment you popped into the zoom you might have been one of if not the star of the season as far as cast members are considered but some could argue the true star of the season was the orange sunflower sweater that seemingly every single person won or wore, excuse me, in interview by the end of the season. Was that your sweater? Because I thought it was your sweater. And how many people ended up wearing it?
1: So there was two items of clothing. There's the sweater, which is Kieran's.
0: Oh, what? And okay, then it was there Kieran's.
1: Was- I think you're the first
0: one shown wearing it possibly. So that's why I always was like, or maybe the most shown wearing it. I don't know. I always thought it was maybe yours, but it's hard to tell. I
1: had more TV time than Kieran. I think that's what it was. But also what was shown and you wouldn't have realized was my blue jumpsuit went through five different people. There is a blue jumpsuit that the girls are wearing that is also mine. And it is in so many shots. And I was like, luckily we dressed it a little bit differently. But yeah, those two items, what happened was we just didn't bring enough clothes. None of us, a lot of us didn't think we were going to get that far. So mm-hmm. we were like, shit, what do you have? Can I take <laughs> something? So me, me, Conrad, and Kieran are in each other's clothes the entire time.
0: Yeah, and that's a, that's something that happens most seasons, and you all had way better taste and choice of what items get worn by everyone repeatedly. In previous seasons, there was one recently where it was like a spy theme, was like the theme of the show, and one guy had brought this black turtleneck, and every, every single cast member, I am not hyperbolizing, every single cast member at some point wore his black turtleneck to try to look like spy, like, or something. And it, it was really, eff- all fans were just like completely trashing them of like, this is ridiculous. It's like you all, <laughs> you all decided that was the item you should all wear all simultaneously in every interview. Anyways, Ooh. who was your favorite partner to work with in your least favorite partner to work with, or maybe a different way. Uh, the partner you worked best with and the partner you worked the worst with wasn't as good of a match.
1: Honestly, I there is no answer to the bad partner. I I honestly think that every single one of my partners. I was really lucky. I had a really good range of girls who maybe weren't the strong girls. I never got Sugar or Emily or anything like that. Um, but all the girls were so great. I feel like my perfect partner is Megan. Um, mm-hmm. It's why I picked her for the when I chose to pair teams up. She's really good. She absorbs my energy well and she lets me kind of go and then when I need to step back she's really good at encouraging me back up and vice versa we're just like this perfect pairing that me and her just never saw it happening like that um and then I love working with Brooke J the most because she's now one of my closest friends outside the house still and I, love yeah, Brooke
0: Jay. I loved her she was one of the since I knew none of the cast members in the first episode, I did a little game of just, I had the full list in front of me and I put a star next to like four or five people throughout the episode that were just like, for one reason or other, you're my early favorites or whatever. And Brooke J was like the first one that got a little star by her name. And thankfully have got to keep that yeah. status the whole way through, which a couple other cast members, uh, did not uh, keep keep that status yeah a couple were favorites really, early and then i enjoyed rooting for them as like the villains of the show um not knowing mm-hmm. everything that we weren't seeing but uh you know stop being my favorite people but were enjoyable villains for at least great the tv we seeing yeah for that reason. also
1: also very quickly cyrell was a person who i thought would be the one would that oh, i, I didn't want Cy to get Rell. paired with and we want and we want a challenge together so I really think it's like, anyone who says I didn't have a good partner, like I said on the show, maybe you should be a better teammate. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. What was your most proud achievement from the season? One of the challenge wins, one of the elimination wins, a strategic move, something else. What was the most proud moment looking back on the season?
1: I just think it was like, there was a moment where, when I just, my resilience kicked in and I stopped being sad for myself. And I started just going, I'm just gonna take you out. Um, but that was definitely after the elimination with, win with Megan, doing the, mm-hmm. um, the thing on the stick, whatever it was, the, in the dark. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people were like, oh, my women's style was a fluke. But to get the one with Megan in front of everyone, everyone was like, oh shit. And then to back that up with a challenge win with Britney. I remember winning with Britney and everyone coming over to me after and going, oh my God, like you're a threat. And that Mm -hmm. was this really nice feeling. So I definitely think the episode three to five arc for me was really important on a personal level. I feel like a different person after. I definitely think I'm a lot more resilient from that stretch.
0: That's amazing. Um, purely, Purely as someone you have to live with, not as someone to play the game with or against, not as someone to be friends with, purely as people to live with, who was the best roommate and who was the worst roommate?
1: Uh Kieran and Conrad were the best. They were, my, they were my roommates, right? Like, and we had the nice penthouse room. So like <laughs> we were living. So Conrad and Kieran, I'll say, because I actually feel like I lived with those two. Um, I've never seen, um, t- Kieran's butt is tattooed. And I feel like I saw Kieran's tattooed butt more than I saw his face in that house. Um, <laughs> and the person who I w- wouldn't want to live was that bedroom alliance, mm-hmm. the, the yeah. whole room.
0: <laughs> yeah. No one though was like horrible with dishes or anything like that where it's just like like basic roommate stuff or living with other people's stuff because that's always a funny thing when groups get thrown together and most you know most of these folks in these shows are no longer living with large groups of people or whatever and then it's always like the one person always cleaning up after the whole other group and getting mad about that or anything no anything like we that. were
1: we were really lucky. everyone was really polite and clean when it came to like when it came to house living we're very australian we're all very (laughs) like polite about it our bedrooms different matter but i wasn't in those bedrooms so it didn't bother me
0: yeah for sure if you had to do it all over again i time traveled you to the night before you enter the challenge house you've got to redo the entire experience again what is one thing that you would do exactly the same and what's one thing you would do totally different
1: um i would i would do the same mentality going into challenges i would definitely be like 100 percent don't give up you're always in it trust yourself because that obviously took me quite far um something i would change would be don't try so hard to make everyone like you from day one just chill do what you love which is cooking go and just have a good time and enjoy it a bit more i don't think i would have got it as far if i didn't have that stuff at the start happen though so maybe i wouldn't have gone as far with that advice but i think that would have been my advice
0: that's awesome. And then finally, would you do another season of the challenge? Either if there was future challenge Australia seasons, or maybe even popping over here to the states, or well, not to the states—they never film here—but onto the you know U.S. version. Would is there is there any possibility or any interest that you'd ever have in doing another one?
1: Well, my partners banned me from doing it ever again. <laughs> um, it, I think it took me about six months of therapy. I'm still in therapy post show, so. Currently, no, Um, but I think if the USA season came to me, I would love... You guys have a lot more budget, so like I would love to do the challenges you do. Um, And I wouldn't mind if I honestly went out first. It would be a lovely experience to just go and do whatever you guys do over there. And then I've done both. Um, I wasn't asked to do the World Series, so that was Mm -hmm. the one I really would have loved to do, but I wasn't asked, or I wasn't second pick, and I wasn't third pick. (laughs) So I didn't come into any calculations.
0: Mm, they they got those choices wrong i mean i know (laughs) two of them are there's no choice it's kiki and troy because they won and if they want to do it they get to do it that's you know the whole setup but then they do pick the second man and woman from it and you know whether she was the best person in the house i thought emily was a great choice just from a competitive she does have a lot of personality which i was surprised by of like we've had a couple other like Olympic level athletes come into the world of the challenge. And every time it's like, well, they don't have any personality. They've, you know, she's a swimmer. She spent her whole life underwater. <laughs> like whereas, and she actually yeah. did have a lot of personality uh, it turned out. And so I thought that was a good pick, but as much as Grant, you know, had some solid moments or whatever, I was pretty like, he would have been pretty far down my list. If you're only taking one other guy from this season and you obviously would have been at the top of it. So That's a bummer, but maybe we'll, maybe we'll see. Is there any other, now that you have done two different reality shows, you said, you know, you weren't someone who watched a lot of reality TV or ever even originally Mm. thought you would be in it. Is there any other shows you trying to get back on in the cooking world? Is there any other shows you'd be interested in trying out or
1: are you like, I did that. I'm pretty good. No, I've got my four shows. I would love to do the amazing race. I would love to do. Who would your partner be? I would love to take Dan, who was on MasterChef with me okay. um, back in the day, who you won't know, but also, mm-hmm. or I would like to take my best mate, who you also don't know, but they're both great <laughs> options, I promise. Um, the Mole, I would love to do, or Survivor, because I'm obsessed with Survivor USA, but the reason I didn't know Brooke J's is I never watched the Australian Survivor. Mm-hmm. So now I'm getting to the Australian Survivor, which is probably why my game plan was going so good, because I love, love, love Survivor, and I love alliances. Um, and then MasterChef All-Stars, if they ever do one.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I'm, I, uh, I too am big survivor fan is the only other like reality show I really watch. And now I had never watched the Australia ones. And now because of Brooke specifically, I'm like, I got to figure out where I can get links to watch all of those, her season. Um, she's doing like the after show for this season. So I'm very, yeah. very interested in seeing if those links float over towards the States, the way that thankfully the challenge, Australia links found their way to us over here in the States. So well, Connor, it's, uh, it's truly been a pleasure. I thank you for your time and energy, both today, as well as your time, energy entertainment that you gave us on the show is you know, as much therapy you. as it may have caused you're you're not alone in that. by the way that's pretty much <laughs> unanimous across the boards all the smart individuals who go through the challenge house also go to therapy immediately afterwards for that makes you feel a lot experience. better Thank you. <laughs> um, or should um so for those fans of yours where is the best place to follow you keep up with you what you're doing any new projects or anything that is kind of on the horizon we should be keeping an eye out
1: um, yeah, so everything is under Creamy Confusion. Um, creamy Confusion on Instagram, Creamy Confusion on TikTok, Creamy Confusion on YouTube. There will be a Creamy Confusion food website I'm currently building. So that's coming very soon. Um, and then there's a lot of uh, food projects happening in Australia uh, that I'm doing for my Australian audience. And there'll be hopefully a couple of pop-ups later this year where people can kind of actually come and eat my food, which is annoying for like all your American listeners and subscribers. But if no. they are in Australia, um, follow me so then you'll know when these things happen
0: we all, we all need to travel there if we're anyways. So maybe that'll add reason. I actually have, I had postponed. I was supposed to be there right now, actually. I originally planned a trip to Australia for this January, um, and just postponed it, uh, next, probably next January, February, next time it's winter here so that we could put the, once we started planning, we're like, if we want to do this, we want to do it right. We want to get as much money in the bank as possible to do the right version of this kind of month long excursion. So, uh, hopefully by then maybe they will be, I can come try some of your food then, but, uh, yeah, this is awesome. Thanks so much. And everyone go give Connor a follow, try out one of the amazing recipes. Don't be daunted by them. I, my mouth drools every time and i'm always i'm not a, <laughs> not a chef and don't, don't know my way around the kitchen very well but uh if you don't maybe you got a partner a friend or someone you can be like hey doesn't this look good any i think you he can help <laughs> me make it so go give them a Bought follow people
1: yes recipes
0: try please awesome well counter thanks again and uh had an absolute blast
1: thank you so much jacob what a pleasure mate thank you